So hello and welcome to the 45th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Elias Kilius. With me as always is Aaron Richardson. How's it going, Aaron? Good, Elias. How are you? Pretty good. Hot off conference. How was your conference, Aaron? That was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I love Quebec City. It was yeah. a perfect place to have a conference. Oh, it was amazing. I loved trouncing around, you know, old Quebec and seeing everything there was to see there. I brought the family as well. And it was a great, a great time that we had up there. Um, but is there anything you had as like a big takeaway from the conference at all? Oh, the tech side of things was a big takeaway, obviously. Um, no, anything, anytime you can find out what's coming down the pipeline and seeing some examples and different ways in which, you know, what forward thinking uh, direction the uh, corporate's going in to give us the tools. And there's some really cool things. Google was the biggest, uh, I think, takeaway for me with uh, Google Gmail um, being changing over platforms from Rackspace for, for emails. I think it was really exciting. Yeah, it does seem like Century One's got a very focused direction, which has been forming over the past few years and it's starting to actually like solidify into place. Uh, we yeah. heard a lot of uh, from real estate webmasters as well and like where online office or whatever the future version of online office is going to be going forward right. in the year to come as well. So a lot of exciting things, a lot of exciting, you know, bits to be part of uh, the Century 21 family and everything at this point. It is. All right, well, let's uh, get off that tangent back to the show. So Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. I'm the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homania. So this week, we're going to continue our discussion on the pillars of your business, setting up the foundation of what's required to have that solid foundation of success and growth as a real estate salesperson. So now that you've got your sphere of influence set up, we did that a couple of shows ago, and you're actively engaging in open houses, we did that in the last show, but not including our conference show, and you have some money coming in, the next logical business decision you need to make is where you want to spend your money so you can continue this growth. So the third pillar that we're going to be talking about on today's show is geographical farming. There's so much emphasis put on generating leads and maintaining, maintaining relationships through connected methods like email marketing, but we shouldn't lose sight of the physical. The tried and true method of farming a geographic area. It's a method that's been used by agents for decades and with good reason. That being said, geographical farming doesn't have to be limited to the physical. As an agent, you can also take advantage of virtual geographic farming. And who better talk to this about than Aaron? <laughs> so, Aaron, let's get started here. What does geographic farming include in your mind? Uh, you're choosing an area that you want to be the most popular person in. So that uh, when the you know you're front of mind, okay, and when you're front of mind in somebody's uh, with regards to real estate, they're gonna call you um, if they're thinking about buying or selling. So is this more of like a branding campaign as opposed to like actually trying to get people to specifically call you because of uh, a specific piece of of mail you put in their in their mailbox? It's actually a great uh, great point there because I think of many people look at it as oh you know I gotta make sure that you know, I put the right thing on my flyer and make sure that it says the right thing or provide them with enough information that they're, you know, that they're informed on what's happening in the area. Like, it's not about the information, really. It's uh, it's exactly what you said. You're building a brand and you just have to be the front of mind. You have to, you know, we talked a lot actually in the, uh, at the conference about Mindshare and, uh, you know, um, it was uh, David Greenspan who actually uh, went into, and he, he had a breakout session 
And he uh, explained exactly what Mindshare is and how important it is to be in somebody's mind. That you, When you think about a soft drink, first thing that pops in your head is Coke. Could be Pepsi, but at least you're one of the two, right? So when you're thinking about real estate in that area geographically, who do they say, you know? And it should be your name, right? So you just have to get in front of them enough and market to them enough so that that happens. And I guess one of the tough things for most agents to wrap their head around too is that this isn't a short-term thing. Like a, a, a branding strategy is a long-term strategy and long-term solution. How long do you think, it, like do you suggest when people are getting into branding marketing uh, to give it before they can actually see benefits come back? Yeah, the programs I've set people up with, um, it's really, uh, it depends on how often and how many times you're in front of them. Uh, the more often in a shorter amount of time, the better payoff you're going to see quicker. But uh, I would really look into a minimum a year, if not two, three years before you start seeing a really big uh, increase in production. Um, it'll easily pay for itself, you know, if you get one sale a lot of times or two sales. But really trying to, you're building a top producing mega team type model when you're looking at geographical farming. Either that or you're looking to do it a little bit smarter, not harder. So you're not working as hard, you're just spending a little more money and you're just doing it a little smarter so you'll save some time. I'm sure you've come across the situation many times where an agent maybe hasn't been making sales recently and they're looking at, the, at where they can save money and they can maybe say, you know what, maybe I can scale back on my print marketing, is that something you usually advise against? Because, I mean, if you derail the process early, it might hurt yeah. you and you don't get what you're trying to get out of it in the long run. Well, for sure. I mean, there, there definitely is situations where somebody's come in and say, listen, I just spent too much money last year or I didn't make enough or whatever. And says, you know, we're going to scale back what I'm spending. And I said, okay, well, where, you know, where did you advertise last year? Well, I advertised in uh, this publication. Well, how many deals did you I only got two deals. I said, well, how much did you spend? You spent 5000 Well, how much did you make from the deals? Well, I got this, this, and this. Well, how much was it? And they look into it because they didn't really have the answer when they walked in. And it was 40000 And I'm like, oh, so you spent five, you made 40 and you want to stop spending the five. <laughs> what are you doing, right? Um, there are other um, areas that uh, people have spent money and they get anything back. So, um, but, you know, it, it's, you, you have to have a business plan. And the business plan has to be set out. This is my budget. This is where I'm going. And then measurable results at the end. And then you can analyze the, uh, the numbers. Do you find that often agents want to stray from their business plan for whatever reason? Oh, that's the biggest thing that, you know, okay, I'd probably say 90% of agents don't have a business plan. They got in because they're selling real estate, they're selling houses, right? But it's a business and you should treat it like a business and have a business plan. Um, then the, the other half maybe of the people that do a business plan, it's actually more than another 80% of the people that do do a business plan, they stray, they stray a lot, right? They, uh, you know, I was going to, you know, talk to this many people this week. I was going to knock on these many doors. I was going to, you know, but they never got to it. So it's this an accountability thing. And uh, so, yeah, a little off topic, but I guess I could get into coaching and stuff. But <laughs> yes, people <laughs> stray from their business plans. So, I mean, a, a lot of the reasons they probably do stray from their business plans is because of the financing. Like where do you suggest is like the most effective place to spend your money when you are looking to spend it to grow your business in terms of geographical farming as well? Right. So there's a few things I put in place just to make sure that this happens. First of all, don't, uh, I mean, it depends. You know, I mean, I guess you could borrow the money. You could borrow the money and say, this is my, or you could have the money in a bank account. If you've got extra money in the bank account, that's great. And say, this is what my budget is this year. But not a lot of people are like that. They get into the age, uh, the business, not with a lot of money in their pocket. So let's make some money first. 
uh, put a percentage of everything you make aside. Our company does it for us. If yours does, ask them to do it. Put it into a separate little side account. And then at the end of the year, you can ask for it. And there's your $10,000 for next year. It's perfect. You don't even notice it a lot of times. So um, that's what I would suggest. Uh, about halfway through my selling career, that's what I did. And it made a big difference. So that's just a good way to set yourself up. I'd love to be in a situation where I didn't notice $10,000 in a bank account. Well, when you, you know, let's say you've put it, this is 10,000 as an example. Mm -hmm. um, but when you get a check for, let's say, a $8,000 sale, right? So the 8,000 goes into your bank account, but you've put, I don't know, $500 or maybe you've put, so let's say 10% is eight. Um, let's say I was putting probably about a, a 1,500 from that, right? So instead of getting a check, a check for 8,000, I got a check for 6,500. You know, I'd never looked at the 1500. I just like, oh, I got my paycheck. It was 6500. It's just, it's something you have to do. You have to do it with your taxes too. You have to do it with your, your taxes, your HST. And uh, I just know, I actually would have got it down to between taxes, HST, and my advertising fund, I got half of everything I made. But isn't that what you did for, like, that's what I did for 40 years when I was, you know, 40 years, but working probably for at least 50, 25 of them, um, your employer did it, right? When you got a paycheck from your employer, um, you didn't get the 8,000 they were, they were, they were going to give you. The, the, the um, government was taking a good portion of it. You were only getting like 4,500. So it's the same thing. It's just you have to wrap your head around the business plan. So is there a good rule of thumb or a certain percentage of your income that you maybe should be spending on advertising you can read the most benefits out of it or is this just like a really per case yeah basis? i mean I, I think the number that it keeps jumping out from coaches and 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 whatnot is 20 percent. you know 20 percent of your business should go 20 percent of your gross income should go back into your business in form of advertising um i i wasn't putting 20 now, I wasn't doing farming as strongly as maybe I should have, so I could have been up to 20. I was doing some other things, but um, I was putting in, I started with 10 when somebody told me to put it aside, then I upped it to 15 because it was working really well. So I ended up uh, doing about 15% of everything that I make gross to put back in. Um, I will tell you that mega producer in, in our area, mega producer, we're talking over 1,000 homes a year, um, which is, I know, crazy. Um, he's putting 33%. So it is a different model, but in order to make that type of, and sell that, that as many as 33% goes back into advertising. That can be a tough number to swallow for a lot of agents, I imagine, looking at, you know, 20% of their gross income. Do you have any suggestions beyond what we've talked about so far for, you know, the reason they should definitely put that aside? Everybody's got a different business plan and some business plans don't involve farming. That's okay. Right. But I will tell you, if you're going to be a mega agent, that will be part of your business plan. There's no way that I, there's no way I know there is some lead generation models on online that I still haven't seen somebody sell a thousand homes a year over. But, uh, you know, if you want to be a mega agent, uh, I think you've got to be the most popular person in town. It's going to take some money to do that. And, uh, yeah, this is the way to do it. But if you just want to, you know, sell to friends and family and make 200 grand a year, that's okay too. And you can, you can worry about open houses and doing, you know, your Brian Buffini stuff and, you know, your note cards and all the rest of the stuff we talked about in earlier shows. I guess like you just were saying along the lines here is that you have to consider it. It's a business. It's not just, you know, you, you got to treat it like a business. You do have to have those budgets for the different specific things like advertising and everything too, and see the value in that. Any business knows they have to, you know, earmark a certain amount for their expenses like that. 
And I guess being a real estate agent is no different too. And it's kind of hard to get out of that mindset because you are working for yourself now. Whereas like before, like you mentioned before, with if you're working in like retail or anything, like if you're just getting a paycheck, they put the side, you know, the, the, the money for taxes and everything too, where you now have to start managing that yourself. Uh, you listen, if you talk to business people, I come from retail, so I, I know the profit loss statements and, um, and all the different financial indicators and all the rest of it for profit. And when we're spending wages and heat and hydro and your business plan and you get down to making two, two to 3% profit, right? Um, they're looking at us as real estate agents going, what? Only 20%? Like, you know, your overhead, what does it cost you in heat, hydro, you know, rent, what does it cost you? Now, all the you know all the things that cost you as an agent, you know, and you're making what 50% profit? That's amazing, right? Um, it's a life. It's, you know, it's, it's, I just believe that if you run your business as a real estate agent like a business, you'll be spending more money in the areas you should be, and you'll be working smarter, having people call you instead of you going out to have to find them. And uh, any any day of the week, I'll I'll spend a hundred and make a thousand, right? Like, why not? For sure. I think it's it's tough for a lot of agents to see that future payoff for the spend now. And I think it's a very important it's tough. advice. It is tough, but save it ahead of time. It's take a year, just put it aside. And at the end, well, I got 10000 What am I going to do? What am I going to spend this on? This is great. Don't go on vacation. <laughs> just go. Um, you know, in the first few years, you're going to have to, you know, really, you know, get the ball rolling with, uh, with that spend. I, I just know right now if I was to go into an area that doesn't know me, Let's say I was to move areas and say, I want to now solidify, be the top agent in town. I would actually take a loan out from the bank because I know that if I just put $50,000 into my advertising this year, that I'll make 400 in the first year. I know that. I just know I could do it for the most part. <laughs> so so let's, let's say you take out that loan. Obviously, like you need to spend it somewhere. Where's the best like place to funnel that money into to get the okay. most out of it? So... Um, so geographical farming is all about brand, mind share, um, no, being that number one person in town. So if you're going to run for, I'd say, the mayor campaign, I've already always heard this. I'm not sure who teaches this one, but it's called the mayor campaign. Be the mayor. You're running for mayor for your, your town. What would you do? You'd put sign on the front lawns. Okay, you'd ask people to put sign in. Well, listings help, right? But how do I get the listings? Well, if I was going to go for mayor, would I deliver flyers? Sure. So get some flyers going, right? What else would I do? Well, maybe I'd host a barbecue. Maybe I'd do some things within the area in order to get my name well-known. Um, you know, talk to people, knock on doors, shake some hands, kiss some babies. You know, <laughs> it's like these are the things that will uh, make you popular in an area. So you put together a plan that's based on all those things. And you start off by looking at flyers and, you, you know, you move on to events and then you, you know, Plan your week to make sure that you're knocking on some doors and just introducing yourself to the area. Maybe you get as creative as have an ice cream truck drive around the area with your name on it and hand out some ice cream to the kids in the area. Have a barbecue. Um, I did garage sales, right? So the whole I hosted a garage sale weekend, and my my name was on everybody's lawn that was hosting the garage sale. It was pointing the garage sale this weekend, sponsored by Aaron Richardson. So. You know, these are all different ideas of how you can get well-known in an area. Now, can you go overboard? Oh, wow. Can you go overboard? Uh, I have heard negative comments from some neighbors in certain areas where this guy has knocked on my door four times this month, <laughs> right? Um, so did he go overboard? Probably with some people. 
Um, but he definitely was the person in town when, you know, in that area that, you know, they knew him. So can you go overboard? Maybe, you know, I, I haven't seen it. You I really, eventually I, there'd be diminishing returns of the amount of money you're spending, right? Like you know, you're saying 20%, there might be an argument, like you said, for that mega producer spending 30%, why not spend 40%, maybe get more. Eventually oh, you're going right. to get to the point where point. the more you spend, the less you're going to get back from it. Good too, point. Right? There's a breaking point. And uh, the way I see the breaking point is this. I look at an area and I say, um, in that area, 70% of the people in that area have a friend or a family member in the business. They're probably not going to use you. You just count that as they're not going to use me. You're never going to have 100%. So you're vying for 30% of that area is what you're doing. So if the, uh, if the area, and you do your research, uh, how many homes have sold in that area and how many homes are there in the area? So if there's 1,000 homes and 100 sold, you have a 10% turnover. So you're vying for, and those, those, let's say there was, we said a hundred home, what did I say? A hundred homes and, um, what did I say? A thousand, let's, let's take an area of a thousand homes and there was a hundred sales. I think it's what I said. So there's 10% turnover rate. And, uh, so out of those hundred homes that have sold 30 of them are up for grabs. Okay. So now we're vying for 30 homes. One in three, let's say people are going to get called. Right. So let's say they're going to call somebody from Remax, somebody from Royal Page, somebody from Century 21. You just want to be one of the three. So you're going for 33 percent chance on those 30. You know, if you're just nailing one out of three, you're still getting. Now I got to do the math again. Ten sales. Right. Ten sales. That's 100 grand in business. Now, the question is, is let's say I've locked up those 30. Let's say I get 20 of them or is going to be my, you know, my sign on the lawn. Um, and I've spent $20,000 a year, uh, you know, sending flyers and everything is spending 40 going to get you any more. And that's where Linus is sort of saying, well, no, not probably, probably not because they're still going to use their friends and family. How much is too much and can you spend too much? So what you're going to do is you're just going to look at the, look at the area next to it. And you're going to say, well, there's a thousand homes over there, spend 20 in this area and then 20 in the next area. And you'll know where that, that, uh, sweet spot is, right? As soon as you get the, those uh, the sales rolling, and you'll say, okay, I'm going to spend ten thousand in this area and ten thousand in the next, and then you just scale up from there. All of a sudden, you're sending to forty thousand homes, and yeah, it's costing you half a million dollars, but you're making two million dollars in income, and that's what the mega producers are doing. Yeah, and once you get that kind of volume, you've got different problems, but good problems to have, nevertheless, right? Yeah, like being able to do math. <laughs> <laughs> Or just figuring out how to manage your time too effectively. Geez, I can't imagine having to deal with that many deals. Well, you're yeah, and you're building teams, and you're yeah. uh, got people working for you. Um, again, working smarter, not harder. So, but getting there is the branding, and that's what we're talking about today. Now, how about yeah. virtually farming geographically? We talked mentioned that off the top of the show. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? This is new. This is uh, some of the fun stuff, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think people know that uh, you know sending flyers is costly. So to spend, you know, spend the, the spend on uh, an area of a thousand homes, you're probably going to be spending, you know, $500 a month or more, probably more. Um, but, uh, probably $500 a month. Now, if you look into geographical farming in online, um, you're able to target areas and whether it through, be through Facebook or uh, through Google ads, and there's a lot of new technology that you can put a pin, for example, in a neighborhood and say anything in the 10 kilometer radius of this neighborhood, those people are going to pop open their computers tomorrow and they're going to see my ad. 
So it's just, it's just they're seeing your brand again. So it doesn't have to be the bench that costs $3,000 for the year. It could be, you know, targeted advertising on their computers or their apps on their phones. And again, it's just seeing your brand. Now, there is probably too much when it comes to stuff like that. Um, you don't want to be big brother. <laughs> big brother? Or is it? It's big brother. Yeah, big brother. You don't want to be like, I, I, I just got something sent to my phone the other day. It says, wouldn't it be great? Uh, anybody within, um, let's say, a, a kilometer radius of you will get an ad pop up on your phone. Because, or it said, yeah, it's some, something about you can text text people or you can anyway it's you basically can put an ad up on their phone based on your geographical location so if you're at an event for example um down in the city everybody in that event is going to start getting your ads on their phones and stuff like this um there are other ones that you can actually text through stuff to them like advertise like talk to them through it's it's just really creepy stuff i don't know some of that stuff just was a little intrusive for me but i just think the the softer stuff instead of and there's companies that uh package it for you and do all the work for you so you don't have to you know try and figure it out through google which is can, can be a little daunting so um they'll do it for you you just say listen i want to spend 200 dollars a month i want to target this area this is my farm area um you know everybody in that area i just want them to see my face you know ever so often just to just to support the other stuff you're doing in the area yeah, and hyper-targeted advertising is one of the most efficient ways to spend money in terms of advertising dollars, too, because you can guarantee that it's not someone up in Alaska that's seeing your ad. You know, it's right. someone who's, like, actually in the area that you're specifically interested in, in getting viewers from. Or even just the age demographics. Maybe they were just married recently, too. You can do stuff like that through Facebook. Uh, very, very, like, very niche uh, target yep. audiences that you can get at yep. languages, religions, you can target, uh, age demographics, um, even buying habits. So very powerful stuff. Yeah. So is this something you'd suggest that people start getting into at least where, where would you start with the dabbling, I guess, on the Facebook side of things, or should you contact maybe one of these, uh, third party companies that can help set you up if you're not technically inclined? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would definitely see what's out there. Um, I, there was a couple uh, recent, um, um, just seminars that were put on by different people that, uh, and you can go to any of the, um, let's say conferences and stuff like that. And there'll be different people that, uh, that have these packages for you. So just look into, to see what they do for you, how much it costs and just make sure it's, you know, obviously a good return. But, um, I would start with Facebook personally because I've used Facebook in the past for pay-per-click and I, and I know how to use the mapping system and stuff so I can target areas and demographics and stuff. But, um, you know, it's it. You do get in pretty techy stuff when you when you start doing any of your own advertising, and it does get, you know, you'll end up actually saving more money paying somebody to do it because they'll be able to do it more efficiently. Um, there's been lots of times where I've even made the mistake of, you know, forgetting to exclude certain demographic. Like, why not? Re you should be excluding real estate agents in that area so they don't know what you're doing, <laughs> right? And you can do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, and and these are things you need to, you know let your uh, provider do let me know and do for you as well yeah for sure and i guess just as a real estate agent in general like valuing your time and and managing your time appropriately is comes into play like you're saying here too like if you're a very busy agent you don't want to get bogged down spending days trying to figure out your advertising campaigns when you have we have experts that can do this for you, you can pay them to do it and you can actually use your time more effectively as well yeah, one of the things i mean and people have often ask me when it comes to geographical farming is uh you know should i get that bus, you know, for the area, it's going to cost me, you know, $3,000 for it to be on the back of this bus. Should I get the bench? 
you know, what should I be doing? So I asked them the questions. Well, first of all, are how many, how often are you sending out flyers? How many flyers are you sending out? Making sure that you're hitting them at least every other week. Weekly would be great. Um, once a month's probably not enough, um, just depending on your your competition. So um, you got to start there because if you're you're just putting a bus up. Um, or out there driving around, you're not targeting a certain area because you know they have to go all the way you know down. It depends on the bus route, but uh, find out where the bus route is. And uh, but it, what it comes down to is, are those people in that area seeing your ad, and how often are they seeing it, and is it worth that money? And uh, benches are great if you can reserve that bench for your farm area. You should be on that bench. Like I would definitely look at getting that if it's available. It's just it's hard to get sometimes the availability. And once you have it, you should hold on to it, especially if you're going to continue. And this is a 10-year plan. Like this is, this is not to make money in the next year, like Linus said at the beginning. It's a, it's a long-term goal. So make your your business plan and stick to it. I guess is the the big takeaway from this episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we close off the show, Aaron? No, I'm the, that's that's all good. Well then, let's close off the show, shall we? If you like the show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites because it really does help. You can watch this and past shows at spotlight.central21.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A dot com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program an exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that helps sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. Find out why so many top agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Aaron, thanks as always for helping host. Everybody at Thanks, home, Linus. thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.